Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading today is Luke 24, 50 through 53. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are going to talk today about the power of blessing. Um, We are in a very important sermon series in the life of our church. This is more than just another sermon series. We're actually exploring and trying to clarify what does it mean when we talk about following Jesus together? Because that can be kind of fuzzy and ambiguous and mean eventually nothing in the end. And so for this season of our church life, we've been trying to focus on what do we actually mean when we say that we're following Jesus together? And that conversation has led us to identify eight different habits that we're going to practice together, embody and practice. These habits um, are four habits of daily practices, and four habits of weekly practices. And they exist here on this diagram. You see the inner circle is the four daily habits, and the outer circle is the four weekly habits. And the goal of doing this together is more than just creating some weird cultish practice that we do together. It's, it's not, that's not it. It's actually for us to explore and embody practices, the lifestyle that we found in Jesus. When you read these Gospels, you see... Jesus had a lifestyle that had habituated patterns, these things that he continued to do. And so for us, we're going to explore these different practices. And today, we are sharing on our fourth daily habit uh, in its purpose to love people well, and that's the, the practice of speak blessing. Oftentimes, when we think of spiritual practices, we might think of like, you know, contemplative people who love to pray and meditate, and study scripture, and have hours by themselves. But if the spiritual life doesn't just, uh, if the spiritual life exists only for self, it just becomes mystical, sacred navel-gazing. And that's not what Jesus came for. All these spiritual practices should not end with self, but should uh, compel us to be people who are outside of ourselves. That's why on that diagram, you saw on both sides, if you could go back, uh, Katie, if you can see, uh, see this, we're talking about practices of loving God, like scripture and prayer, like turning to God in prayer and fasting and Sabbath, but also of loving neighbor. That's a part of our following Jesus. We're going to be people who are going to be fueled from this abiding love of God so that we go and serve our neighbors and love people well. And part of loving people well is speaking blessing. My hope in this message is that I retrieve the uh, lost art of blessing. That's my goal. I want to retrieve that idea, that lost art of blessing people well. I actually believe that uh, to bless people is something that we need to recover. For us, when we think of blessing, we might just reserve that for what we say after someone sneezes or we, a hashtag for our social media uh, experiences when we get invited on a buddy's boat or something like that, hashtag blessed. But it's so much more than that. 
uh, 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 practicing blessing is actually for me, I would say, a deeply biblical concept. It's actually deeply rooted in much of Scripture. So if you don't agree with me, be prepared. I'm about to wow you, okay? You guys ready to be wowed? Okay, here we go. Genesis 1, the very beginning of the story begins with God blessing. God created and blessed, created and blessed. God did that over and over again. And what we see, even when God created humanity, the very first words that God said over humanity was a word of blessing. This is in Genesis 1:27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. God created them and God blessed them right away. They're created, and the very first words that are imprinted upon their hearts and souls is a word of blessing. You are so good. That's the first words. And I feel like all of humanity is living in the echo of those first words of blessing. A few chapters later, we have the first domestic dispute that erupts. It was between two brothers. They are fighting each other. They're combating each other. And what are they fighting for? They are fighting for their father's blessing. The very beginning conflict we find here between these two brothers, Esau and Jacob, is they are desperate to receive their father's blessing. And many of us remain desperate for our parents' blessing today. Then the story continues on. Genesis 12, we have the story of God choosing this man named Abram for a specific purpose. And God called Abram and called him Abraham. And this is what he said in Genesis 12. I will make you, one individual person, into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And look at this. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who you bless. And whoever you curse, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And the story goes on and on and on to talk about how God has designed God's people to live into this concept of receiving blessing and giving blessing. Over and over it goes on like that. And the power of blessing runs through all of Scripture, and we especially see it in the life of Jesus. Before Jesus did anything in the public eye, what did Jesus have? After 30 years of ambiguity, we don't know what he did. But the very first thing that Jesus experienced was a moment of blessing. He was, he was commanded by God to go to the river. John the Baptist baptized him. And as, as, John the Bap, as, as Jesus was coming out of the water, the audible voice of God declared over Jesus this. This is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased. That's a blessing. And one could say that all of Jesus' life and ministry flowed out of that blessing that he received from God the Father. All of that. And then Jesus would then live that out. Jesus would give blessings to the least likely. Like in Mark 10, when he took the children in his arms, Jesus placed his hands on them and blessed them. Jesus would also call his followers to do similar things, like in Luke 6. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. I mean, these are, hard, these are high bar in response to following Jesus. Even Jesus' greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, how, it, how does it begin? It begins with a series of unlikely blessings. Blessed are those who mourn. 
Blessed are those who are like hungry and thirsty for some righteousness in this world. Blessed are those who are, um, who are, are, are mourning for you will find comfort. We find in Jesus that, that Jesus is his very like most powerful sermon begins with these blessings. And of course, what we find here at the very end of Jesus's uh, time here in this, on this earth, Jesus ends it with blessings. And this is how Luke's gospel ends. It's the final thing in Luke's gospel. Jesus leads the people away out of the city, away from the noise, away from the confusion of the world, and spends time blessing them. This is what happens in Luke, in verse 50 of this chapter. When he had led, when Jesus had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing him, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Jesus had this moment with this community, and we need, we need to put ourselves in their place. This community had the world fall apart, like every expectation and dream of a life with Jesus just crumbled, and they did not know where to turn, and they were afraid, and they were confused, and then after that, Jesus shows up again, and notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't give them a binder with a game plan. He doesn't sit them down and say, all right, I'm going to replay everything that I taught you you didn't get. Jesus's plan for these final moments was, you need a blessing, and Jesus Bless them. And I actually, I love the fact that Jesus is taken up to heaven while he's still blessing them. It's almost like I imagine the voice of Jesus' blessing trailing off into heaven, almost giving this picture that perhaps Jesus wasn't done blessing them, but perhaps is spending all of eternity speaking words of grace and truth and beauty over his followers over those people. Isn't that beautiful? And notice how effective that blessing was. Before that, the people were confused. They were hiding in their homes. They didn't want to be seen out in public. And after this moment with the resurrected Jesus and ex experiencing the power of this blessing, in verse 52, this is what happens. Then they worshiped Jesus and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they stayed continually at the temple. The power of blessing is it took from fear to joy, from hiding away from the religious powerful people to actually going to the temple, from being secluded and afraid to worship. That is the power of blessing. And to be a follower of Jesus, that means that we we are following someone who knew what it meant to receive blessing, whose life was marked by blessing, and also who demonstrated how to bless others. But I think probably where we get hung up is, okay, so great, so we're supposed to bless people. What in the world does that even mean, right? Like, what does it mean if you were to go out today and say, all right, I'm going to try to bless someone? What does that even mean? So we know that words are powerful. There's a saying that goes that uh, words create worlds, right? We know that through the power of story, that words create wor worlds. But we also know that in our scripture, God created worlds by speaking it into existence. And for me, blessings is like living into that reality. A blessing is this ability to create 
new, uh, new worlds in people's lives and to open up a world that's marked by grace and by the brilliant light of God's love. But unfortunately, the opposite is also true. That if words are powerful, it's not only powerful in speaking blessings, but it's also powerful in giving curses. And unfortunately, this world is marked by curses. It's a world marked by wounds, shame, insecurity. We live in a world that's careless about how we use our, wor- our words. And it's so very common how words are just given like final judgments over each other. Many of us, we remember harsh words that we heard as children. I uh, heard someone share this week that he still can hear the voice of the teacher say to him on the first day of class after having his brother in her classroom two years before, that by the end of the day, it was very, very clear that they were very different And the teacher loved the older sibling, not so much the younger sibling. As a younger child, I can, like, feel that. And and he could still remember her saying, you are nothing like your brother. As a grown man, that word still stings. It still remains. And many of us, we have words of cursing that still hangs on to us. Destructive words spoken decades ago. Screw up. Fraud. Worthless, disappointment. Some of these words just are just a part of our story, and they take deep roots in our lives. I met with a friend even this past week when we were talking about our experience of church, and I have had a great experience in church. And like uh, my new friend, we also talked about how there are things, there's messages we heard along the way that weren't helpful. For him, one of the things that wasn't helpful was uh, citing a verse in misusing it, saying that the heart is wicked. And that is in the Bible. I think there's a message to it. But the way it was used for him is the deepest part of you is wicked. Like at the core, you're a wicked person. And he was sharing how that, that really shaped how much he saw of himself in a perspective of how God saw him. And it just fueled shame. That at the core... I'm to be rejected. Our lives are filled by curses. So what hope do we have? I think the spirit of Jesus would say, this is where blessings come in. Simply put, a blessing is a good word. But that doesn't seem like enough, right? A a good word's not enough. It's more than just a cliche. It's more than just some sort of Christian trope we just throw at each other whenever we hear each other hurting or something like that. A blessing is an intentional practice where we speak truth, kindness, goodness. We instill beauty in each other. We speak grace towards each other, especially where we sense the presence of pain, fear, suffering, and any time we sniff out that there might be a curse in someone else. We have this ministry, this opportunity to speak blessing to that which is true. Henry Nouwen, he was a Dutch priest, a theologian, and an author. Um, My life has been marked by some of his writings. Uh, His reputation was that he was a deep intellectual, and it brought him to places like Yale and Harvard, where he taught. Here's a picture of Henry Nouwen. He looks very fiery right there, very excited about a point 
right there. But he was known in Christian circles throughout the world. And somehow, while his career was taking off, like it was actually like he was being invited into, you know, bigger audiences and whatever else, internally he was falling apart. He just was getting more and more sorrowful. He feel like he was losing himself, and he was deeply struggling. One day he was invited by a friend to go uh, to, to join him at a wedding. And so he was driving through Ontario, Canada, and there he, he, uh, he was going to stop in at a, um, at a home for people who had physical and intellectual challenges, this, this community called Daybreak, where they created a community and care for this population. Uh, while there, a member of that home got badly hurt, and they asked uh, Nowen to come and pray for them. And so he said yes, and he cared for that community in the midst of that. One of the residents say, has said to him, would you please stay and be our pastor? And Nowen found, found himself saying, yes. So he left, he left Harvard and the ivory towers of Harvard, and he found himself for the next season of his life living in this community called Daybreak. And in his book, The Life of the Beloved, he tells a story about one of his experiences there. He tells a story about a woman named Janet who came to him one day and she asked Nowen for a blessing because she was struggling. And because of his Catholic training as a priest, Nowen got his thumb, did a cross upon her forehead and recited the words that he was trained to say. But Janet looked at him and her face got crinkled up and she said, that's not good enough. And now he didn't know what to say or to do. So to buy himself time, he said, hey, could I give you a blessing tonight after our prayer meeting? And she was okay with that. So the, the day went on and the prayer service happened. And Henry, was, Henry Nellen was still unsure of what to do. But at the beginning of the prayer service, he told the community that Janet had asked for a special blessing. And at the point of the service, she stood up and walked toward Henry to receive a blessing. And before he could do anything, she wrapped her arms around him and gave him a tight hug. He hugged back, and the only thing he could think to do was to say the words, uh, just describing how remarkable she was. And this is what he said in his book. He d details it, but he said this. Janet, I want you to know that you are God's beloved daughter. You are precious in God's eyes. Your beautiful smile, your kindness to the people in your house, and all the good things you do show us what a beautiful human being you are. I know that you feel a little low these days, and I know that there's some sadness in your heart, but I want you to remember who you are. You're a very special person, deeply loved by God and by all the people who are here with you. And he opened up his eyes, and he noticed that Janet was smiling. She had gotten the blessing that she was wanting and that she needed. And as she left Henry's arms, don't you know, someone else raised their hand and said, can I have a blessing too? And then most people in that room, including the staff, raised their hands and they took their turns receiving a blessing. Henry Nowen walked away from that moment changed as well. And on that day, he said he recognized the importance and the power of a real blessing. What Nowen demonstrates is what a blessing is. is actually an echo of what Jesus experienced from his father. 
is this declaration of who we truly are in the light of God's love. It's like experiencing the pleasure of God in us once again through Christ. It declares a truer identity. It shares the reality of God's love, and it speaks to one's goodness based on that divine pleasure. Janet, you are God's beloved daughter. You are deeply loved by God and by us. We are better because of your smile, your kindness. You are precious. I think the human heart is starved for blessings. As this world is trying to convince us of everything that we are not, throwing labels upon us, the power of blessing is it melts that all away in the radiance of God's love. It's this affirmation of who we are, and it's this ability for us to actually know that we have been seen. Have you ever wondered why Mr. Rogers holds the place in so many people's lives? That guy is not a charismatic TV, you know, person. Like, if you were to model someone, even back when I was a kid, you would not say, that guy. A Presbyterian minister, by the way, a Presbyterian minister, you would not say, he's the one that not only will reach kids, but stay with us as grown adults. Any wonder why that might be the case? Well, it's because if you were to watch his programs, what Mr. Roger does so effectively is he sees kids, like sees them, sees their struggles, sees their pains, and in response to that, he speaks blessings. You want to hear a blessing from Mr. Rogers? Okay, maybe this will be for you too. I'd like to sing that to you and with you. Okay, okay? sure. It's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your fancy chair, (laughs) that's just beside you, but it's you I like, every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember even when you're feeling blue that it's you I like. It's you yourself. It's you. It's you. Do you notice how his eyes were fixed? His eyes were fixed on him? Yeah, that's the power of blessing is to actually see someone. And not only say, I, you know, God loves you, but God also likes you. <laughs> like, God actually delights in you. Someone might say, like, like, this practice of daily speaking blessing feels like a lot. Oh, like, are we really going to be able to live into that practice of speaking blessing, I actually think that we might be missing hundreds of opportunities to simply see people, 
to speak words of kindness and grace and love, whether that's a, a coworker who seems to be somewhere else that day, just to, just to give a word of affirmation, or a friend who's going through a conflict, you know they're struggling, and just intentionally reminding them of who they are. As parents, it's to see your kids and just to call out their truer identity. I'm so deeply proud of you. You're perfect exactly the way you are. God not only loves you, but God sings over you with delight. Do not doubt the power of blessing. I love Mark Twain's quote, I can live two months on a good compliment. (laughs) But a blessing is more than just a good compliment, and it can do more than give you two months. It can actually change people's lives. It can transform us. For those who are ready to explore this habit, we have written tools for you. We have written tools to kind of like explore what does it mean to really bless people? How can I do it without being forced? How can I live into this? But I think there's one last thing that I want you to know that if we are really going to retrieve the lost art of uh, of blessing people, if we want to live into this daily habit, there's one more thing that I think we need to know. For those who want to practice and grow in speaking blessing, um, I think that for us, one of the things that it's important for us to know is that there's a truth that is crucial. It's crucial to know from where you bless people. How does a deep blessing originate? I believe it comes from your soul. A member of our church, uh, a member of our community gave me this beautiful book by this Irish poet and theologian, John Donahue, and it's a collection of blessings called To Bless This Space Between Us. I really appreciate it. But in the very end of it, um, the author writes on the nature of blessing, and this is what he wrote. He said, what do you bless with, or where do you bless from? When you bless one another, you first gather yourself, you reach below your surface mind and your surface personality down into a deeper source within you, namely the soul. Blessings, this is for me the huge point, Blessing is from soul to soul. It's not just something we copy and paste and throw at each other. It's actually when you see people soul to soul and you speak blessing. And the key to who you are is your soul. If this is true, it's hard to bless people if your soul's been neglected. It's hard to bless people if your soul is starved in itself. The daily habit of speaking blessing requires that your soul-filled people, that you live with an acknowledgement that you have this deeper part of you that's been created to hunger and to thirst for God. Beloved children who know firsthand the blessings of God are much more available to speak blessings to others. And how do we foster that? Well, we have these other daily habits that do that. Daily habits like scripture before screen, where we spend time in God's word, where we turn to God three times a day and we pause our day to remember that God is with us. All these other habits help fill our souls so that we can give the blessing to other people that which we've already received. If it's from soul to soul, then we need to be living as soul-filled people. A blessing is not a cliche or a rote statement. It's the overflow of a life with God. I love how Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a pastor during uh, Nazi Germany. He led a resistance against, against it. He's a beautiful author and theologian, but he wrote this about a blessing. He said, 
A blessing is the visible, perceptible, effective proximity of God. A blessing demands to be passed on. When we live our lives close to God, in proximity to God, then we begin to be able to give other people that experience. We are prepared not only to see the opportunities to bless others, but we have carried in our hearts the blessing that we are ready to pass on, and it demands to be passed on, as Bonhoeffer would say. So as followers of Jesus, the invitation is to immerse our lives in the blessings of Christ so that we can extend those affirmations, that love and mercy to this world that sadly is so afflicted by curses. To be people longing to hear the same words that's spoken over humanity from the beginning, that you are blessed, you are my child whom I love, and you I'm well pleased. So how can we so boldly claim that blessing in Jesus? Well, Jesus not only demonstrated blessings in his words, but he carried it in how he lived and how he died. Jesus, upon that cross, absorbed the power of every curse, even the way Scripture details his life. He says, cursed is anyone who hangs from a tree. And Jesus chose to die even in a way to absorb the power of cursings. And while he did so, Jesus continued to bless. In that moment, he continued to say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He looked at a criminal who was dying in disgrace and said, today you will be with me in, par- in paradise. To a woman who was about to be a widow and be alone, he blessed her by saying, woman, behold your son, and gave her a new son. Until the end, Jesus showed us the power of blessing. And he was not done, though, upon the cross. He came back. He came back to show that he was not over-blessing us. When they thought that all the words had been said and done, Jesus came back to do what? To bless. And the final picture that we have of Jesus is this voice blessing us into eternity, declaring his love, his mercy, and his delight. Even maybe right now, Jesus is blessing you. So friends, may you receive every blessing that Jesus longs to give you, and may our words together create worlds marked by Christ's love and mercy, both now and forever.